All right, welcome to another episode of the Alumni Podcast. My name is Dante Canarazzi, and today we have Lisa Dragan with us today. Uh, Lisa is a class of 2001 graduate, majoring in computer science, minoring in a business administration from the engineering school. Absolutely. Lisa, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much, Dante. It's great to be here. Can you give us a little background? So before you got into WashU, what that process looked like or how you learned about WashU or why you decided to come there? Wow. Well, back then, and I imagine it's still the case, there was a lot of mail from WashU, wasn't there, back from um, when you're senior in high school. And so that was a big piece of it. And it was also, um, I was the oldest kid, so my mom had a lot of fun finding all of the college books. And I think I read some of them cover to cover. I think the reason that I started at WashU to this day, I think it was when I went to St. Louis and the sky was a color blue that we just don't have in Columbus, Ohio. And I think that was it. And and who knew that it was going to be the right community, the right fit, the feel where somebody who was really shy could come and feel comfortable. There was a place for everyone. And it wasn't the huge schools in my backyard in Ohio that had just so many people that you couldn't really find yourself or be yourself. But there were people that were kind and there were people that were warm. And it felt like a community quicker than I think any other school that I was lucky enough to visit. Great. So it sounds like that that first visit really was sealed the deal for you. I mean, we got to be thankful for the, the extra blue sky. <laughs> Great. And so so you get accepted into college, you wrap up your senior year of high school. It's your first sort of day, week, month, year at WashU. How did that go? Did it meet expectations? Did you know what you wanted to do? Um, how, how did that pan out? I absolutely did not know what I wanted to do. I knew that I liked math and science. I was not somebody who knew how to memorize. So I didn't want to do anything in biology or medicine. So I walked in and maybe wandered into the engineering world without really knowing. And I think that really became my experience at WashU where I sort of fell into what I did. Um, I think I might have mentioned to you a while back that it was um, maybe junior year where somebody said, so you're a computer science major. And I was like, I guess so, right? I liked the logic. I liked what it was. So there are people that know what they want to do and, and stay with it and stick to their goals. And man, do I have a lot of respect for those people. I came about it in the opposite way. I came about it just sort of keeping my mind open and seeing where I ended up. And I didn't really even find what I fell in love with until my senior year when I took a class that was an elective. It was an extra class because I had finished what I needed and here was a class called Psychology of Technology that mentioned the people on the other side of the computers and took my breath away. That, that figured out what I wanted to do. So quite the opposite of those that maybe know what they want to do when they come in. I dragged my feet to any class that was going to take more than one, one semester to do and um, just kept my options open until I sort of fell into it. And, and did you start in the engineering school or did you... So yeah, I started in yeah, right. started in the engineering school. Um, again, with that idea of keeping my options open. I, I like math. I like science. We'll see. It might be easier to get out of engineering than back in later. So that was the mindset that really took me through a lot of school was keeping my options open. And you said one of your advisors pretty much forced you to take uh, CS101, now CS131? <laughs> 
absolutely. There was a class, I think, that combined a bunch of, of computer science together, and it was just not as deep. And this teacher told me, man, you really have to take this class. And I was, no, because again, if it was going to take more than one semester, I had to keep my options open. Um, so I walked in the first day and most of the class knew, I mean, something about computer programming. Some of them knew that that's what they wanted to do. So while there are people that raised their hand and started talking about garbage collection, I sat there like, computers get programmed? There's somebody behind the scenes <laughs> writing software? I had no idea any of it. But it really helped me learn to think logically, right? It made sense and I didn't have to memorize before an exam. I just had to get it. And so conceptually, my brain that always understood the concepts without necessarily all the details and all the memorization, it just clicked. But it wasn't, as you remember, it wasn't this hardware piece behind the scenes that I really understood. It was the logic. It was the thinking. It was if then else frankly, that I use today. And the people that I work with today, they don't know that I was a computer science undergrad. That's just not even something we think about. But it helped my brain work in a way that helps me to excel in, in my job. So a lot of what I feel like I learned in undergrad and even in grad school, where I really went deep, deep in what I love, isn't the things that I fall back on and know. It's how to think about and how to learn the next thing that comes out. And you raise an interesting point. So, so as you mentioned, we were in a lot of classes together, pretty much most of the classes together. And I fell more on the um, programming side and you fell more on the theory side. So the P or S versus T classes. And I distinctly remember in the, in the discrete logic and mathematics classes where we talked about set theory and, and, um, you know, even some of the algorithms classes, I'll say politely, you seem to enjoy them a lot more than I did, which really meant I struggled with them quite a lot. Um, and, and it's just interesting thinking about sort of, like you said, the traditional viewpoint of a, a computer science graduate is somebody that has already programmed since birth and has stories of, you know, Apple IIe computers or whatever. And you represent the other side of that equation where you came in and it was something that kind of interests you. It didn't disinterest you or wasn't uninteresting to you. Mm -hmm. um, so then Absolutely. you said and senior... I frame it, I, I'd almost frame it the opposite, Dante. I would say... The, the hardware and the assembly language and really thinking about networks, that didn't. That was harder for me. So if you look at, at what I really excelled in and said, oh, that stuff was hard, I'm going to look at the other stuff and say that stuff is hard. And fast forward 10, 20 years, it doesn't matter the difference. Oh, right? yeah. Because it's the yep. thinking behind it that really seems to be um, give you the options to really take your career where you want to. And to that end, so you were saying really the, the senior year class, the uh, psychology of, of computers, uh, so that was a class that did it for you. Were there any other classes along the way that were interesting or were they all kind of just like, yeah, this class is okay and is better than some of the other ones? But oh, Well, I think all the classes have some good and some bad. There's some that to this day, there are things that I remember or I guess really don't remember about a lot of the classes that I took. Um, I think the thing that was different for me about that particular one is that it was a topic that I hadn't heard, right? So we knew computers, we understood a little bit that, you know, this is how it works, but nobody really talked about the person sitting on the other end of the software. And that was a huge aha moment for me because I really liked the idea of using technology as a tool to improve people's lives. And here it was that we were actually talking about the people 
lives. We were talking about what they remember and how they can use software. And if you've heard of seven plus or minus two, right? This is why our phone numbers are seven digits because our brain can only remember certain amounts of things. Well, of course we need to understand as we're designing, as we're thinking about software, who those people are. And so I think it wasn't that that was the one class that was way better than everything else, but that was the one that made me think in a different way and and really filled in this gap that I didn't even know was there in my mind before, which is Once we're done with this, what do we do with it? When we're in school and they teach us originally how to write and they say, know your audience. Well, here we go. Who is our audience? How do we learn and understand them? So I think that's why that class really stood out for me because it was this idea that I didn't know existed. And like you said, some of them, some people that get to start from birth and understand what that is and love that computer science or love medicine or love veterinary, right? Whatever it is that they love. And if you don't know, you might find it. Yeah. So so it's now senior year. You've had the class that has opened up your, uh, I guess, your mind to these other possibilities or, or discovered your passion. Mm-hmm. What are you thinking about post-graduation? What? How does that look for you? Yeah. So I had already decided I wasn't going to be a programmer. That's not what I was going to use my education for. So I was in consulting at the time and I would go after work to meetings, to professionals, what I think became what maybe meetup is today, right? I would go to these activities and they would they would talk about, somebody would come up and speak about their job and I would say, that's what I want to do. Or they would talk about a project and like, oh my goodness. And it would inspire me for a month. I would be excited and have a new energy for what I was doing for a month afterward. So I asked the people in the field, how do I get into this field? And like a lot of things that are coming out now, it was brand new. Nobody knew how to get into UX. They said, well, you know what? I guess you can start at a consulting company. Well, guess what? I was at one and they weren't going to help me. So they said the next phase is go back to grad school. So me, who was done with school, did not want to do that at all. That's what they said to do. And and again, if you go back to that theme during school where I just sort of kept my options open and sort of went with what they wanted, now all of a sudden somebody said, here's something that you can do and here's a path to take. And I did the work to take it. So you said UX. Could you explain what you mean by that? Absolutely. Sorry about that. Because even back then, UX wasn't a term people used. So UX is user experience. And so my master's degree was technically in computer-human interaction. So again, I knew about computers. We learned that in undergrad, but now we're putting in the human side. We're understanding a little bit of cognitive psychology and putting that into the mix and design, right? And and not the kind of design that, that I had in my head when I thought about the word design, but design as in what we did in engineering, as in problem solving, as in thinking about what people's needs are and how we can meet those needs with the rules and the tricks and the things that we know about computers and about psychology. And just to be clear, how would you differentiate uh, UX from UI? Um, so user experience and the user interface, the user interface, I think, is a very important component to the user experience, right? That's what we're interacting with, but that's just one side of it. There's also the person who's making a decision, who's thinking, who has the thoughts, who does the work. So UI enables the UX. It helps us to put together and create the experience. Just like if you're planning a party, right? The invitation and the bands and the the tabletops and the decorations, 
All of those things are the UI, but the user experience, how you plan that interaction with those things and what thoughts and what needs come into play, that's sort of the, the marriage between those. So you've now discovered you want to do the essentially the human-computer interaction. So you've applied mm -hmm. to some schools. Did you apply to multiple or...? Well, at the time, I think there were, um, I want to say, less than eight, maybe even globally. I think there was only a handful of schools in the United States that had that program. Um, so I applied to two um, and was really lucky because one of the things that WashUA enables is um, the, the credits that I had in undergrad really helped me to move forward a little bit further in, in at Carnegie Mellon in my master's program. So even though statistics was my least favorite class at WashU, mm -hmm. um, I, I didn't have to take stats again in, in grad school. So I got to, again, keep my options open and see a little bit more. I loved this idea of user experience. I loved this idea of, of how people interact with the things that we're creating for them. And then I realized there's other nuances there, just like there's nuances within computer science. Now there's new there's new nuances within uh, user experience as well. So we graduated in 01. Uh, you were in consulting for what, two or three years? And then about that. Yeah. Yep. And then in 2003 ish time frame, did you do mm -hmm. a one or two year master's? It was actually a one year, so it was from 04 to 05. Okay. Um, so in the middle, and that 9-11 um, happened. So there was an extra year that kind of got um, thrown in there. But at that point, from, from that 12-month master's, where, again, if somebody asked me about Pittsburgh, I was pretty heads down. So I don't think I know much about the city, right, because of what we did in that one year. Right. Um, but I still had that idea of trying to – to change the world, trying to use computers to solve problems, trying to use technology, right, to solve people's problems. So I started and I did a little bit of consulting. Um, I got to try a new city. So I went out east and I realized that if I was going to give Boston a fair shake, right, mm -hmm. then I was going to have to try different careers and different things. Um, so I also got to play in um, the security space, working on what was, uh, it's it's very different, I think, now, fast forward a few years, but um, there was a little keychain that people had in their pockets. And at the time, it was called um, Secure ID from RSA. Mm -hmm. And I got to work not only on the user side, but I got to look at the administrators and what kinds of things that they were doing to enable people to use their, their systems. Um, but when I realized that Boston wasn't the place for me, again, I stayed in that theme of consulting. I stayed in that theme of helping clients, of helping people use technology to solve problems. You were really ahead of the curve on the uh, RSA secure ID. That's essentially a two-factor authentication uh, hardware device instead of the sort of the more software devices that we have in our mobile phones using um, Google or Microsoft Authenticator. Absolutely. Right. We know, then we had to carry around the keychains. Now, yep. what we, do we have to carry on around more than our phones? I guess it's <laughs> exactly. the people listening to this that'll really change that and really make that decision. Right. So you've, uh, you've gone to Boston, you've done uh, grad school, mm -hmm. and now now what happens? How do you know you're ready to move on? What, what influences that decision? Moving on to Cleveland and going back into consulting was about getting back to the Midwest. It was about personal things that, that mattered to me, especially then. And again, it was about solving the problems of, of businesses, right? And trying to help in that in that way. Um, so the next few moves for me career-wise were really personal decisions, right? It was, you know what? I'm going to go and move back to Columbus, Ohio, where I 
I grew up because we're going to start a family, my husband and I, and that's where we want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, it was then, it was a little bit later when I tried to, to move from Cleveland. I had just started with an amazing mentor um, and worked on a, on a different job. And she said, don't leave. So I stayed. And back before people were working remotely because of COVID, I tried to do that. Well, when my son came in and noticed that I was working and not playing with him, but in the house, I said, wait, this is not for me. I can't do remote. And I feel like a lot of families are realizing that and did go through that struggle in the last few years. Um, But at the time, it was another option, right? And so I got to be in person. So a lot of the next few jobs um, were really about necessity. But what I learned from the job, especially when I came into Columbus and started working here, I first introduced or I first got to start working in what I'm going to call a mission-driven environment. Right. So where before I was solving businesses problems, we were talking about financial services and how to get somebody to open another checking account or in retail. And we were trying in, in the e-commerce space, trying to get people to purchase more products. Here suddenly I started with a mission. And and the mission wasn't something necessarily personal for me. It was helping chemists find information, helping scientists do better work. But this idea of being able to help people really stood with me and really inspired me. So during all this transition, I'm moving from design to listening, to research, to watching people use products and saying, you know what, we can make these products better. And suddenly now when I'm saying we can make these products better, I'm saying we can make these products better to help with this mission, to help make chemists' lives better, to help get them the information that will help do all of the amazing things that chemists do, new materials, new med- new medicines, right? Helping the world. So again, I got to listen, I got to help, and I got to go back to a mission. Um, and that's when I was in Columbus, Ohio. I was working for the chemical um for American Chemical Society, the, the company in Columbus or the division of that was called CAS. Um, and, and again, getting to make a difference in the world a little bit. Um, there's challenges. I got to watch product management systems get stood up for the first time. There's always going to be that. But I was really lucky again. And, and I want to talk about that in a minute about finding a mentor and finding great, amazing managers. But this was maybe the third of those for me where I really got to start making a difference. And, and just to be clear, when you say watching people, you mean not just I have Google Analytics and we're watching the flow through the website. You mean cameras on people interacting, watching them interact with things. So the, the actual physical interactions. And then to, to your point earlier, the research about that, like why do people, you know, use the right hand versus their left hand? Or I'm, I'm not even sure this is obviously not my area, but right. But but you're talking Absolutely. about like people in a room watching them. Yeah. So you've seen the one-way mirrors, I guess, when you watch bad television or maybe good television. I don't know. Right. You see them in the interview room and you see the one-way mirror. Well, the one-way mirror became my life, Um, especially when we were in person. We would watch somebody interact either with a cell phone um, and it was kind of early in days on that. We'd watch them to use the mouse and keyboard and, and they would do what we say thinking out loud. So they would be the sports announcer giving the the play-by-play of their own actions, um, stream of consciousness. So we understand, oh my goodness, they think that that button that we clearly think is the next step for them, they don't understand what that button does. Or they have these expectations and man, we missed that opportunity to meet those expectations. So yes, absolutely, Dante, we are watching them 
interact with products, not to say how smart or not smart that person is, because every single person is a user that we care about. We're trying to understand what's going on with this software. How can we make this better to the user experience? How can we help to design and, and use the UI to drive and to change the user experience? And some of that shows up in the undergrad curriculum in the sense of like, you know, um, in our C++ class, writing code is easy. Writing good code is hard, right? Like getting the simple, easy to understand version of what you're trying to express, that's really the challenge. To your point, like this button makes a ton of sense to me, but my user keeps not clicking it. Like, why is that? And it's, Absolutely. yeah, what are the changes to make that? So Absolutely. You, the so ones you, that you're talking about, what they do, that's a huge and amazing thing that has come out more and more big data in the last few years, so much so. And the UX and the UX researcher answer the question, why? Why aren't they clicking on this button? Why does it not make sense to them? Absolutely. And then uh, you mentioned the mentors, which I think is fascinating. So if you could tell us how you found your mentors or what you look for in a mentor. Well, I think you're going to start seeing a theme, right? Because we talked about undergrad falling into computer science. Um, I wish that I could credit myself and the ingenuity that I had coming up with that. But when I started in my job in Cleveland, when I started going back to this idea of using, of solving problems, um, I met somebody who had a job to do, right? She was running studies and running the research and, and doing the work. And suddenly she found something in me and identified me as somebody that she was going to help. And other people that, that were reporting to her as well, they didn't necessarily jive with her management style. But for me, it was an opportunity. And I learned so much. And she sort of took me under her wing, frankly, likely because she needed help, right? And she saw that there was a few things that I understood. I got the big picture thinking, right? I could take a step back and see that piece. And, and again, back to some of the credit of computer science and of WashU, I understood the details and how things worked. So being able to move between the big picture and the little pictures, right? The details that can, that fundamentally make it work was not something that she found. And so she gave me that mentorship, helped me take on new tasks, teach me what I needed to, to have that comfort Right, right. So working on those wings so that I could fly myself. Um, and so that was the first of them. Got to it by accident. Was it a mentorship? Could I have found somebody outside to, that can help me? Absolutely. But again, I was that person that fell into the luck of what I what I learned and how I did it. And was this mentor a direct manager of yours or is it sort of a tangential in meetings with them? Um, I'm going to say both because it started with somebody tangential, right? I was in meetings. We got, I got assigned on some projects with her. Um, and then I sort of aligned myself underneath her. And when she went to another job, I wrote, went to her and said, how can I work at this company? <laughs> Do you need anybody here? And sort yeah. of followed her around in that way. Um, ironically, now that, that my job's changed, even when I went to um, American Chemical Society, I still called her up and said, okay, now you got to work for me. Right? <laughs> so now solve my problems and help me here. And it's those relationships, those mentorships that really can make a big difference. My manager, when I came to, to CAS, when I came to the American Chemical Society, um, 
was also somebody that believed in me and believed in what I could do. And when you find a manager like that, it can really make a huge difference. A mentor. So the first one that I spoke about, she was more than a boss because she also became a mentor. She also wanted me to help drive my career, gave me ideas, told me about listservs that I can join to learn more things and helped me really find, find direction. And then there's managers that can help set you up for success, maybe just at that company, but learning those skills that ended up being important later as well. This is probably a great opportunity to say the uh, WashU undergrad has an engineering mentor program where students mm -hmm. can participate, you know, apply for and get assigned uh, with an industry person such as yourself or, or myself. And you kind of uh, go through the year. And then there's the new um, uh, WashU mentor website, uh, Connects, CNX. Um, where you essentially kind of log in with LinkedIn and you can connect with undergrad or undergrads can connect with um, industry professionals. So that's great that you found a mentor. Um, your your current job, though, I believe is a much more personal mission for you. You want to tell us about that? Yeah, absolutely. I do want to also respond to that connects because I think it's so important. And I can't even imagine where we could have been if we had a resource like that, right? If we had that ability to, to talk with people. So if somebody then had said, you know what, you took that class, you love UX. Well, there's these resources, there's these sites, here's how you find a job, here's what you need to put on your resume, here's what you can do in your portfolio to get there. Oh my goodness, fast forward a whole lot. So absolutely, I love the idea. I just love that, that WashU has done something that incredible. Absolutely. Um, but yes, Dante, so when I was at the first mission-driven job, when I was working for the American Chemical Society, suddenly I had it in my head that wait, I can use this work that I do to actually make a difference. And so when I had an opportunity, um, really found it online, and, and my husband and I were like, well, I guess we got to try, um, because it was a company that makes a difference in my, in my life. So throughout all this, I, I've alluded to my life going on at the same time as work. And my youngest son got diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, which is an autoimmune disorder that can happen to anybody at almost any age. Most commonly, it's under the age of 40. Um, but he was two years old. And so we watched this, these devices and this technology change his life and change our lives. And we, we credit them for really saving us and saving him in so many ways. And suddenly I had an opportunity, we think about mission-driven companies, to work on the product that can help my son and others like him and, and to keep track of their information, keep track of their data and be a part of that. So I started at Dexcom not quite three months ago. Um, and it's been an amazing experience to be able to be at that company that makes a difference, that that is keeping keeping uh, our family thriving. And so you're you're now doing human computer interaction there. So what what so you're a senior user experience researcher. Can you give us a snapshot of a, a ballpark day or a week? What what does that look like for you? It looks like learning the things that will enable the products. So um, it looks like here's a problem that we have with doctors being able to see some information from patients. How do we make that process better? How do we better design the user experience to do that? Sometimes I'm fortunate enough to do the research myself, to sit behind the one-way glass, or these days a lot of times it happens over Zoom, but to sit and watch somebody interact with something and determine how to make it better. Sometimes there's a really specific problem that we need to solve. I need to figure out how this can happen better. 
And sometimes it's, we need to learn more about the people and their goals and what they're bringing to the table when they interact and when they come into the experience. I mentioned that the UI enables the user experience and the goals and the needs and what the tasks are that people need to do, the emotions, all of that comes there as well. So sometimes it's talking to people, learning about their needs, learning about um, when it came to the chemist, learning about their workflow, what, what they use and what tools and what information and what questions they have, learning again about the person or learning about the problem, how they approach the problem, what they're using today, what's working and not working in that experience, what's working and not working in a competitor experience, right? What can we learn from what the competitor is doing well or what they're not doing well or what no software out there is solving, right? Where people are still struggling with themselves. So that's what it entails. Right now, it's a lot of um, getting to know vendors that might help us because there's only so much time to do research ourselves. And a lot of times it's also getting to, to talk directly with those users. Great, which is quite a bit different, um, as mentioned, you know, than that sort of classical computer science undergrad. So it's uh, it's really interesting the, the things you're working on. Mm -hmm. um, for um, how would you say WashU then prepared you sort of for this role? I think WashU prepared me in ways that are different than being able to point to them. On, on a, uh, it's not, as I mentioned, I think before, it's not this class or this thing. It's learning about how to think. So you mentioned a class in C++. And, and again, I came from not knowing anything about computers but now I had a framework, right? Because we learned something. We learned Java first, and we had a framework for how to think about things. And so picking up or learning a new skill, I'm not going to say it's easy, but I'm going to say that we have the framework to do that. Um, before my first job consulting, um, there was a phone call that I got about a week before I was supposed to start work. And the manager asked, did I know... X. And I think at the time, ironically, it was wireframes, which now anybody that does know computer science or does know um, UX, it's almost one and the same. People think of wireframes the same way. But in my grad school, we hadn't used that term. And they said, oh, I need wireframes by, by the first day you're starting or that first week. Can you do that? And I said, yes, because we came from WashU where we say yes, and we know we can do it because if we don't know it today, we'll know it by tonight. We'll jump online. We'll find the resources because we have the framework to think and to learn and to understand new things. Because frankly, the things right now that are out in the world, the, the, the Dexcom products that I'm working on today didn't exist when we were in school right? These are new things. So we have to be adapt. We have to be flexible. We have to learn. We have to be able to think. And that's what I feel like. But that's the way that I think WashU most prepared me. And when I was in grad school and I was at Carnegie Mellon with people from all over and all different programs, I felt like we stood out, that WashU stood out because we learn how to think. We learn how to problem solve. We learn how to learn. It wasn't that we know necessarily how to do Java or whatever other programming languages they were doing at the time. It's that we know how to think and how to learn and how to to classify what it means and how to, to put those things together. Yeah, and it, you know, as a sort of in the more managerial roles now, that's become more obvious. Sometimes you need a specialist to that point. Like I need somebody that knows exactly this framework or this function or whatever. Uh, yeah. But it seems like more often than not, the generalists are the most helpful because to your point, you know, hey, we need to get spun up on this new framework. 
nobody knows it, right? Yeah. Somebody has to go learn it and share it with our team. So finding yeah. those people um, tend, tend to be difficult, but when you find them, they tend to just be, like you said, exceptional uh, and, and very flexible. Yeah, and, and they're not necessarily always generalists. They could know so much and so much depth. You'd be hard-pressed in a lot of the areas that I've been fortunate enough to be to have somebody that's done more in, in user research than me, but I don't care about the next tool. And, and I'm going to learn that. If they say, do you know how to use this particular thing? I mean, when I learned there was a thing that TechSmith made called Moray, right? Moray is long past, but I understand the concepts and I understand the why and the fundamental truths behind it. So yes, absolutely. And when being a generalist and learning that, absolutely. And you can also specialize and still not necessarily care about what the tools are or what those things are, but understand how to think and how to solve problems. And I think that's a, a big benefit to WashU, um, especially because there's so many different classes. There's so many different opportunities to learn and to think and to interact with different people. And even the things that we do outside of class end up being a really important factor to what we can do later. On that note, were there any extracurricular activities you feel uh, want to give a shout out to or that you really enjoyed or impacted oh your goodness. career? I think even to remember some of them would be incredible. Um, so rather than date myself, I'm going to say, I, I think just the community and everything mm -hmm. that's there. I think a lot of those extracurriculars change throughout the times. Um, but learning who you are, learning your values, learning what you care about, and those friendships that even when things get busy, I mean, again, Dante, you and I hadn't talked in how long, but having those friendships to really be able to go back to and to learn from, I think that's incredible. Um, the, the people that that are your family, are your community, um, and even when you don't necessarily notice it there. Sometimes it's it's watching somebody grow up or watching the grass grow, right? It's, it's all of a sudden over time you hit the end and you're like, oh my goodness, I have to mow the lawn, right? It grew, but it, it's not necessarily even perceptible at the time, but man, it's important. Yep. And, and to that, we picked right up where we left off, if you will. It's been a number of years. We'll, we'll just hide behind the, the actual <laughs> number, but you know, we we spoke. I can't remember if it was on the phone or text message, but uh, yeah, just picked right where we left off. Um, Absolutely. Do you have any advice to current or future students you'd like to share? Oh goodness, you know, a lot. I think um, we were talking before about some of the people that really make a difference, um, and in different. You were mentioning different types of hires. I, I think. Some advice I would say really comes from my experience. So I was really fortunate enough to hire some absolutely amazing people. And I come down to the, the desire to work, the, the open-mindedness to learn and to take feedback and to grow. I think some of those things are even more important than anything that you can prove or show, right? And, and people react to that Um Others, I've seen people that I've worked with really explode their careers because they really wanted to work hard. They wanted to take that feedback and keep an open mind and do amazing work. So really, really, I would say that is a big piece of advice as, as passion, as stick-to-itiveness and hard work and problem-solving and thinking. Again, sometimes they're soft skills, but they're so important. 
And I think another piece of advice for me um, also came, well, this one was from um, a time of failure for me. Um, I was very proud of of doing some great work for a while. And I was consulting and and in the environment where I was helping a client. I was really proud of what I did. And I had a boss say, "Um, no. And I was confused, right? He said, your your work is wonderful. You're doing a great job. And, And my review was not good. And he said that the work you're doing is a part of it, but it's the perception around it that's also really important. And I think that's one of the pieces that maybe I didn't get prepared for in the same way when I was an undergrad, because what mattered is getting the work done. And in the real world, what I learned is perception is so, so important. And so I think from my failure in that way, right, it was a bad review. So I'm not going to say complete failure, right? But but it really took me by surprise, right, that that, that really matters in the world, and, and it does. Um, so I think those are, are two pieces. I, I also would say because of some of those failures, because of some of those changes, um, I know we talked about that I had a boss, a mentor, and Fast forward a few years, now she's a vendor that I work with and, and continue. So I think that life will surprise you with the way that we connect to people. Um, so burning bridges or saying bad things or even saying anything negative in, in what's supposed to be an honest exit interview, um, staying positive and keeping those those com- lines of communication open, not burning bridges, I think is, is another important lesson that I learned just because those same people keep coming up in my life. Yeah. Um, for uh, current or prospective students, if they're interested in talking to you about this human computer interaction, is that something you're willing to uh, engage with them on? I would be honored. I'd love to talk about here's the, the things that you need to do and the, the places you need to go. And I think that I'm just going to be one resource of that. So now, fast forward, there aren't just a few schools that do this. There's others and, and other places. So, yes, let me be a bridge. Let me help you find places where um, you can explore. And you know what? It might not be human-computer interaction. It might not be user experience that you need help with. But let me help you brainstorm. And we can all brainstorm together, too. Go to meetups learn what that these new ideas and news concepts are. And if you're the first one that does it, keep doing the meetups, keep learning those people because you'll find others like you that it sings to them, right? Just like I mentioned that class, it sung to me that this is something that I want to do. This is that gap that I didn't know. And find those gaps. And yes, absolutely. Let me help you. Great. Well, Lisa, this has been uh, wonderful. I really appreciate the time. And uh, Thank thanks you. for thanks for joining us. Thanks for the opportunity to talk. I I, uh, I think you'll find this as well as far away from you get as far away as you go from WashU, you're really not far at all. It stays with you for always, and and I feel very very lucky about that. And if I can give back in any way to you guys that make up the community of WashU and to what you're doing here, Dante, I I'm thrilled. Thank you for the honor.